your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Bowers awaits the shotgun snap, sends the tight end motion. They roll right. Bowers throws pass. Is knocked away. Eli Sullivan knocks the football away, and the Huskers have a goal line stand, taking over the one. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Well, the NCAA today must be wanting to send a message to Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren because they have put their 600 employees on the furloughs for up to eight weeks. Obviously, it's to get back at Kevin Warren for canceling fall sports in the Big Ten Conference. So, Ben, do me a favor. Can you get that off to Pat Forty so that he understands that? Yeah, I'll add that add that to the list for old old Patty boy to uh, to throw in his next his next article. <laughs> Isn't that a something? I, I'm sorry to be stuck on that, but I mean that guy with those shots mainly at Nebraska. I think he had to throw Iowa in there too because they did cancel sports. Um, you know, and Pat Forty who's a writer for Sports Illustrated who had the John Deere comment about Nebraska and, and that's they should just get back on their John Deere tractor and be quiet when they were making noise about wanting to play football. Pat Forty has a daughter who's a very good swimmer at Stanford who earlier this summer, you know, eliminated like nine or ten sports because of the, uh, you know, the loss of revenue that they knew they were about to get and did get this past spring and about to get in the fall. Uh, and then he had the, the cut about, oh, Nebraska's just cutting staff members just to get back at, at Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren for uh, not reconsidering adding football. Just um, unbelievable. But the NCAA certainly feeling the effects. The NCAA lost by far their biggest revenue producer back in March when the NCAA tournament was canceled. The NCAA basketball tournament for the NCAA funds about 90% of the NCAA, Ben. It's a huge, huge money maker. I mean, the wrestling championships kick some in. The College World Series kicks some in for them. But 90%, much like football at Nebraska is about 90% of the revenue, the NCAA tournament for the NCAA generates about 90% of their revenue. Uh, so they're hurting because they didn't have their big revenue producer back in March. Uh, and so they, they announced that cost-cutting measure today. Uh, so I just want to be sure that Pat Forty gets notification of that so that he can keep track. He obviously is keeping track uh, of all this. Uh, big show coming up here tonight, coming up here in a few minutes, another edition of the Husker Huddle with Jeremiah Searles. He's going to sit down with Brandon Kinney. Brandon Kinney was a really good wide receiver for Nebraska and part of that junior college pipeline that the Polini staff had going there for a while. Looking forward to that conversation here in a few minutes. Really looking forward to having Fred Hoiberg with us in hour number two. We're going to have him at the top of hour number two. We looked, we checked this out, Ben, and I, I can't believe this. We haven't talked to the coach since mid-April. I thought we had him on in May. We haven't. Long overdue. Can't wait to catch up with the coach to hear about this team, which is really, in a lot of ways, a new team uh, with a lot of new faces. It does have Thor and Ivan are back. Uh, the three young guys who sat out last year are back. Uh, Collarope is back. So, there, I mean, there, there is, there's a handful of guys, but uh, also a, a big uh, influx of newcomers to the team. We'll just get an update from the coach on what's happening. And what is he hearing? What's he hearing for the upcoming season? We did tell you last night that John Rothstein from CBS Sports tweeted out that the recommendation from the NCA to a full committee 
is to start the season the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, there's been talk about bubbles for basketball teams, get teams together for a handful of days and play each other. So maybe you go to a neutral site and you play three games against, you bring in four teams and you round robin it over a couple of different days so you get some games in. And Ben, I got to believe that if they start November 25th, that there'll be room for some non-conference games. I don't think you start November 25th and just say, we're going to play the conference only. I think you can you could bubble up some things and, and maybe it, Maybe you still in, do some of those tournaments. Maybe you still have some of those where you send teams to locales and they get three games over four days. And Nebraska is right now scheduled to be a part of a tournament in South Carolina, and it's before November 25th, so that would either need to be moved. So I think there's still a lot up in the air, but that would make some sense to me if you have some of those tournaments in sites that you send everybody there and you get three games in a four, three- or four-day stretch. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that, you know, that is doable. And, you know, I think the the big key to all of this conversation, Greg, continues to be the rapid testing. You know, is this something that can be applied to those tournaments where not only are they isolated, you know, in their hotel rooms, but you could test those guys every day. So um, and make sure everybody's good to go. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there is a, a lot of uh, appeal about about a tournament like that, about being able to to pull that off. And, and confidence and, uh, you know, being able to just, uh, you know, execute an idea at this point just sounds, sounds good to me. And, and I think we're, we're, whether we're talking about football, basketball, or baseball, Greg, I feel like we're, we're, we're starting to, to have the tools to be able to do this, to be able Agreed. to solve some of this stuff and, and make some of this stuff happen. Whereas, you know, a month ago it was an idea. I think now it's more than idea, and it's starting. We can start to implement some of this stuff and, and make sure things get done. Yeah, the rapid testing I think is is coming in a hurry. Maybe within the next four to six weeks, that would easily be in time for basketball, and I think that'd be a game changer for them, where they could maybe even almost have a semi uh, normal season if that rapid testing comes, and they can kind of keep their teams bubbled up a little bit on campus keep them in the same dorm keep them in the same living locations uh, so a lot to talk about with the head coach we'll do that in hour number two also in the second hour lane grindle will stop by he's our major league baseball insider we'll get his thoughts about the trade deadline that came earlier this week who helped themselves who got who caught his eye we'll get that buy sell is back in hour number three we'll have some fun all the guys will join us for buy sell we've um, kind of done it into more of a round table of our entire group it's been fun the last couple of weeks we'll continue that here tonight we do have a game seven tonight ben and the nba had one last night wow what a finish with denver and utah utah missed a three at the gun that would have won the game for them uh, they end up losing so denver wipes out a 3-1 deficit and wins that series they win the last three games to, to move on in the NBA playoffs to face the Clippers. Tonight, you have a game seven between Houston and Oklahoma City. We all predicted last night's winner, although when that shot left Conley's hands, I wasn't sure we were going to be right because that thing looked like it was going to go down for the Jazz. Who you like in this one tonight? I feel like my NBA predictions have been so terrible. <laughs> and I just have, um, you know, I'm just going to you know flip a coin, but... Man, yeah, you're right. Last night, you know, not to avoid the question, but I kind of thought the same thing. You know, it just one of those you just kind of get that feeling in your in your gut that that's going to happen, that's going to drop. Um, obviously, with the two games in progress, um, you know, the Heat and the Bucks, Miami looking very good, obviously in game one and looking good so far in game two. But 
in a game seven, oh man, I my gut tells me Houston, but there's just something about the way OKC's playing right now. Like, you know, they just don't care. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, sometimes teams kind of have that attitude where. It, you know you're, they're not the favorite probably middle of the pack and that's the case for the thunder right now you you got a, a veteran point guard in chris paul that's just like guys let's just go do this thing and that's kind of the gut i'm feeling right now mike so i i'm i'm gonna say houston but wouldn't shock me at all if the thunder if thunder win I'll, I'll go rockets I, I think the rockets win this one tonight i i think harden probably carries that team i think he has a big game tonight i think the rockets advance how odd is it that you've got in the East, last night you had a game two, and tonight you have a game two with the Bucks and Heat playing tonight. Last night it was the Celtics uh, playing Toronto. And in the West, you've had two game sevens. I mean, the, the conferences are way off whack here. Uh, before a game seven happens tonight, you're going to have both East Conference series through two games of their series. And uh, they've gotten off whack a little bit. The NHL's not nearly off as much as that, but it is. It has been uh, interesting. I do think the basketball has been pretty good now. I know a lot of people are having a, a hard time stomaching all the political political politicalization of, of the NBA with uh, the way they've kind of conducted business down in Orlando. But I will say, I think the basketball has been pretty high caliber, and you've kept these guys where they're not having to travel, so their legs are better. They're not having to finish a game, get on a bus, go to the airport, fly somewhere else to play another game in, in a night. Uh, they're, they're right there where they can walk to their hotel rooms in a, in a hurry after they finish the game, take their ice baths, do all those things. I think that's been pretty high caliber basketball for the last month. I've been entertained with it. Yeah, there's been some really good stories that that's went along with it, and and I know you know the social issues are are something that are going to be you know talked about a lot, and and I think that's kind of their goal. But you know, I mean, you think about guys like Jamal Murray and uh, you know unsuspecting characters that have kind of come out of the woodwork to to rise up in these playoffs and play well, and then you've got the usual suspects that that are continuing to play good ball, but. You know, it's been fun. It's been fun to see, I mean, even go back to before the playoffs started, the Phoenix Suns go undefeated in, in the bubble. You know, you just had, you had two one seeds lose in the, in the first, in the first round. You had, you know, Damian Lillard go absolutely nuts before he got injured. So there's been some, some interesting things and, and some good pulls. Luka Doncic hits that, that shot at the buzzer um, against the Clippers. So there's been some, some great games and some fun things that have happened um, that that kind of make uh, the NBA for those just casual fans attracted to it, which is a good thing. Yeah. Also, want to want to touch on Iowa State. We announced earlier in the week that Iowa State had come out and said they were planning on letting into Jack Trice Stadium next Saturday when they open the season against Louisiana, up to twenty five thousand fans. Well, they got a lot of pushback, and their school president today said, "Nope, not so fast. We're keeping the gates closed." So now they're going to go from <laughs> maybe having twenty five, which might have been a high war, high mark around the country. Uh, to dropping back to nobody is going to be in that stadium for their game on the 12th uh, for Iowa State. So a big reversal there. A lot of pressure from people to the school president. They've had pretty bad breakouts at both the University of Iowa and Iowa State's campus since they came back. At UNL, it's been manageable, I guess, might be the word. There are a little over 200 positive cases since the students returned a couple of weeks ago there. Uh, it hasn't been clean, but it hasn't been just an avalanche of positive cases on the UNL campus. Uh, but Iowa State has done a reversal for their opening game, going from what they said could be up to 25,000 fans to nobody uh, there. 
Welcome back to another edition of Husker Huddle here at the Husker Sports Network. I'm your host, Jeremiah Searles. Today we are joined by former Nebraska wide receiver, one of my good friends, came into Nebraska together in 2009, Brandon Kenny. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing well, my brother. I pre- really appreciate you having me on, man. Seriously, Absolutely. So I was lucky enough to run into Brandon. Actually, he was, if I recall, you were late to the Nebraska Greats Foundation, but we won't get into that. Um, I, watched, I remember you were walking into the thing late. I was like, I think that's BK. Um, but we got a chance to run into you, and you've been doing awesome since you decided to hang up the cleats, since you left uh, Nebraska here. And you just were very open and honest with me about what you were doing. So I thought it would be great to get you here in Nebraska. I know you live here in Omaha. And just talk a little bit about what your journey's been like since you hung up the cleats and where you've been and what you've been up to, buddy. Man, absolutely. Well, I mean, hanging up the cleats was obviously one of the toughest things for me. Um, and, and and I didn't feel that I really got the true the true chance to really go out there and play, in a sense. But it was a good ride, um, and it was needed for my journey um, as, as of now looking at hindsight. But um, at, at, during that time, I mean, it was good. Like I said, it was ups and flows. It was ups and downs during that process. But after I finally d- decided to hang them up, mm-hmm. it was just a huge process of just – growing up man and becoming a man and it's so funny you think that you're all of these things right um until like the real world hits and it's like what is going on right but i was i used to pray for like a pale grant check to just pop up out of nowhere for me because i just i couldn't get the the grasp of that real world life yet man so uh, as i figured it out man and, and got further into it man um, i started to understand my purpose and my reasoning and my why uh and if it led me to surrendering my life to Christ, man, and it's been a great and an amazing journey since, man, because it's so funny that I thought that this game, this football game, was what I was shooting for. It was my purpose. It was my goal in life, and it wasn't even close, man. It wasn't even close, and it still blows my mind today to know, like, man, I did all of these things. I went through all these different paths and met all these different people, um, to be here now being a, a light as a vessel being used uh, through Jesus Christ. So, man, it's been awesome, man. It's been really, really great. Um, I was just married to as well about a year and a half ago. Uh, so that's all right. So that's been amazing, man. Married life is very, very cool. I will say, yes, absolutely. Happy wife, happy life. Oh, yes. Um, so out there listening, please listen up. <laughs> but it's been great, man. I coached my youngest team. Well, I coached my youngest son football team mm. for the Miller North Junior Mustangs. Uh, so I'm a head coach out here coaching that. And it's been phenomenal, man, being able to see this other side of it, the coaching side of it. And I never thought I would enjoy it this much. But, man, it's been so great to coach my little man, um, but also coach the next generation. And, and that's the, the, the coolest part about it, important to those young guys to now – um, to grow up and go do the same, man. So it's been great, man. It's been a good time. That's awesome. You touched on something I want to I want to go back to, and you talked about how I think I, one thing that I learned too is if you let football be your identity, you you become extremely lost when you do hang up the cleats. And I think you talked about it. I know I experienced it. Of even if you don't say football is your identity. It really is um, it, because yeah. it's all you know. Yeah. Um, and so with you, and I'd love to hear your process of how did you, how did you combat that? How did you combat mm-hmm. that feeling of 
maybe like purposefulness, purposelessness, I think is the word you want I'm using for. Like you don't feel like you have that purpose, that driving factor when you do mm -hmm. hang up the cleats. What were some things that maybe now you, you are teaching that younger generation so that they don't have to go through that? Or just little yeah. things that maybe you've been doing now that you are coaching youth and you are on the other side looking back. What are some tips or maybe what are some struggles that you worked yourself through there? Oh, absolutely, man. I, I would say, certainly, uh, man, to, to be honest, I wish, and I talk about this all the time, I wish I would have had Christ in my life um, during school, during during junior college, during college, because um, at that time I would have had purpose and understood mm -hmm. that. Um, so, but, but, but I look at it now and understand that the journey was for a reason, though. I needed to go through that. I needed to see those things. Um, so I would say, A, for sure, um, having him at the, the, the head, um, and perseverance, man. After football was over, it hurt. Um, I was bothered. I envied a lot of my friends that played in my class that made it because I felt like I should have been there. So mm -hmm. I was definitely at a low spot, but but I, I just persevered at that time. Um, both my boys were born, too, as well. So it was knowing that um, it wasn't about me anymore. Um, that was another big reason why I decided to hang them up because I was going from you know, this state to this state living out of a suitcase. And I said, you know what, man, like it's going to get old after a while. And, and after a few more times, it was like, you know what, this was the, the route I took to have kids early. Um, and this is what I have to figure out. You know, I can't chase this dream until I'm 30 years old. Um, so I understood that, man. And, and, and I had to be honest with myself about that and, and start that process and say that it's okay. Um, so to look at it now, uh, it, it, it was the, it was the greatest process ever because I needed every step of it. I needed every single step to get me to where I am today, to have the knowledge, to have the understanding, now to have the light um, to go out to proclaim the gospel, but to also um, teach the next generation, man, show them how it's done, lead by example, um, and just pour into them, man. And it's great. It's great. And it's so good when they finally get it, man. And I get it now why so many coaches would be like, BK, just understand. I'm like, no, nah, coach, I'm good enough, dude. What do you mean? I'm good. So it's like, I get it now. And it's like full of teeth. You're like, come on, see it, see it. So yeah, it's been great, man. It's, it's been awesome. That's incredible. I think it's funny you talk about the coaching. So Cody Green actually has moved back to Lincoln now, and me yeah. and him have been hanging out yeah. a lot. And we both went to a high school football game um, this past week, Friday Night Lights. You have to get a little football in your life, right? I mean, no no Nebraska football. It's driving exactly. me nuts. But uh, I was sitting there watching the game, and I was just like, I think, I think I'm going to need to coach when my son gets into high school football. And I text Cody Green, and I was like, I think you're going to need to be my offensive coordinator. And as through this conversation, it sounds like I may have found my receivers coach as well. So I'm fairly certain I'm just going to put together this, uh, this group of former Nebraska players, and we're just going to coach high school and just run the state. <laughs> so I think keep your eye on the lookout here in the next 17 to 18 years when my sons are rolling around and we're figuring it out. We'll have to get that together. Absolutely, man. <laughs> I, 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 love, I love that you're with the youth. I coach, I coach actually high school kids. Uh, I train some. But I think that it's really important that we train the next generation of, of football players because I think that the generation – you can correct me if you think I'm wrong here, BK, but because of what the recruiting has become – and because uh -huh. of what it takes to get kids to school, you put these kids on these pedestals. 
And I think that if you're not raised in a, not raised, but trained, I think is the right way, from a young age of like, you have to work for everything, nothing is given to you, that a lot of that gets lost in this recruiting process because you have to just sit there and basically like, hey, you're the best thing I've ever seen. And then you get to campus and it's like, hey, you got a lot of work to do. And they've never been taught that. Um, yes. what, do you think that's a, a trend that's hitting Husker, or not just Husker, but all of college football, which is what you're seeing, mm -hmm. the transfers and the leaving and all of this, but like, how do you combat that? And how do you just really teach that as a young age? Man, and, and it goes back to that, that perseverance word. It's so funny because the, the reason why I came to Nebraska wasn't because of um, any geek or anything special that they told me. It was just that these guys were real genuine guys like when i wanted to call and talk football they wanted to call and talk life how's this how's your son how's family um would you do here okay now we're going to talk football okay how many blocks did you have downfield how many <laughs> how many um, running backs did you spring downfield i'm like man i'm coach gilmore i'm ready to tell you how many touchdowns and guys i still are um so for me i that i feel like again growing up i grew up that was ingrained in me to just be that type of guy but i do 100 percent believe that the geek has turned this thing around to where it's like, you know, the whole hat unveil and this and that. And it's like, man, pick the school, get in there and go grind it out and, and do your thing. And that's that's my thing is hard nose. That's how poor Scott was. You know, when we got to Nebraska, that's how Nebraska was. Yep. Um, in a sense. So it's it is it, it is sad to see when you do see kids transferring. Um, I remember seeing a, a linebacker that transferred from um, Alabama a few years ago. And, like, I've seen his name pop up somewhere, and I went in, like, it's, I can't remember his name, but I dug a little deeper. And it's like, he's transferred, like, three schools. He went from, like, from Alabama to Penn State to, like, Maryland. And it's like, dude, that's like, that's like giving your job resume, and you're just at a job for three or four months. And the, the employer is like, well, dude, you done had three jobs in the past year, bro. Like, what? You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's one of those things, and you have to understand that, see, and they don't know that. They don't get that because you're not thinking resumes, real world. So it, it, it's hard to, to get an understanding in that, but that's where we come in to have to be able to be that bridge and explain it to these young guys and these young athletes of what this thing looks like um, and how you're supposed to go about it. Um, so I, I, definitely, I definitely love that perseverance word because I think that's ultimately what it is, is just getting down there and grinding. And, and figuring it out. Because I know when I got there, man, I didn't know the playbook. I didn't understand it, but I thought I was all world, right? I thought I can go out here and play with these guys. And it was like, look, BK, you can't play fast if you don't know this stuff. Um, and it was black and white for me. It was no gray area. Mm -hmm. Like, you're good, athletic, yes, you're great. But you got to know this. So um, it, I think it's absolutely that, man, just pushing through. Absolutely. I think that that's a, that's a great segue here to talk a little bit about what this Husker football team might be this year. I mean, they've had to persevere through a lot. I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, these seniors this year have had two head coaches. I mean, they've had they've been through ups and downs and seasons that last year were expected to win eight, nine games and they win four. I mean, it's it's been a lot. But I mean, you live here in Omaha. You know the hype. You hear it every year. What were you kind of expecting and what were you looking at? I mean, pre-COVID, obviously, for what this what this team could have been this year. Oh, man, you know, look, you know I was excited because of all the big wideouts that they signed. So, you know I was excited being a wide receiver guy because uh, I knew this offense was going to be explosive um, this year. And I felt like Adrian was just going to have a, a true um, comeback year. I feel like in that game, man, you can put a lot of pressure on yourself mentally 
um, the social media and it can get involved. And I feel like even for us during our time, that's when it kind of got momentum and we were on there. And for me, it started messing with my mental, listening to people, you know, mm. what people were saying about it and things like that. So I was super um, excited to see it. I, I, I believe Scott is the guy 100 percent. And I believe that he is a guy that's going to be the bridge between um, the new style generation, um, but still that old school cultural um, hard nose are going to get after it football. Um, so, and I think he bridged the gap so well. And it was so funny. I seen him, um, man, it was me and Compto was at a game. I can't remember what game it was this uh, last year. I mean, we just went into the um, training room and we were talking to Mark for a little bit. This was like at halftime. And um, man, I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. Number five is safety. Um, I like him a lot. From, is he from Colorado? Um, yeah, it's, uh, oh my gosh, I should know this. It's going, oh, he didn't play last year though, right? He was, he was injured. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he hurt his shoulder. Yeah, yep. he hurt his shoulder. Yeah. But um, he was in there, and he had just hurt his shoulder that game or re-injured it. Um, he was just in the um, training room, and Coach Frost came in there, and he talked to him, played with him a little bit, and his, I think his parents were there too. So he's like, you going to be all right? Okay, cool. And he's like, all right, man, I love you, man, and walked off. And I'm like, wow, dude, like, that's awesome, man. Like, that's that's building that. And that, and that gave me the perspective uh, being inside to say like, okay, this is this guy is it, dude. He loved these guys, um, and he's pushing for them, and he's coaching them up. So it's awesome to see, man. Awesome. One thing I wanted to talk with you about here before I let you go is you did the JUCO route, and you came in That's here, and you got. I mean, there is all eyes on Omar Manning, right? I mean, all yeah. eyes. Number one wide receiver recruit coming out of JUCO in the country. He's expected to step in and do a lot for this team right away. What are some things he's going to have to battle? I know you talked a little bit about the playbook and learning all that, but I mean, what were some of the biggest hurdles for you coming from JUCO to big-time Division One football? Just not overthinking it. Um, not trying to compare your last playbook um, to your new playbook. Hmm. You know, putting things together. This is a whole new thing, so you got to dive in into this. Um, I would obviously say spend as much time in the uh, uh, in the in the playbook room or the, the room, just studying and getting that down too well. But just having confidence and knowing too as well uh, what you're called, like what you were brought there to do, to go out there and have fun, make plays, and be a big time receiver. Um, and when you control what you can control, um, and let everything else, you know, do what it do, man, you'll be more than all right. And, and a lot of things that I wish that I had had and had an understanding of. Uh, once I got to Nebraska, I figured it out later. Um, but I, I wish I would have had it going in, opposed to thinking like, okay, I'm gonna get in here and compete right away and do this. And I was like, no, nah, man, this is a big curve, and you got to figure it out. You know, you got to be humble to be able to understand that, um, and put yourself low enough to know, okay, these are the steps I have to take to get to where I want to go. So, yeah, man, I think, I mean, when I was here, I know that we had a lot of success with JUCO guys that came in. I mean, yourself, Levante, Yoshi, Randy Gregory, uh, Stanley Jean Baptiste. I mean, we had a lot of success, and it seems like Nebraska's kind of lacked in that success from the JUCO transfer yeah. program here lately. Hoping Omar Manning can be the guy that gets us back rolling again because we're going to need a big year out of him with no J.D. Spielman. So I'm hoping yeah. he can be that big body receiver like a Stanley Morgan type that we have. So, yeah, BK, yeah. I want to thank you so much for coming on here on Husker Huddle here on the Husker Sports Network. Is there anything else you'd like to say to Husker Nation before we let you go? 
Man, go Big Red always and forever, baby. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you forget, he's the hashtag team fill up your timeline on Twitter. Um, <laughs> if you ever need anything, that's an inside joke. He was like the original tweeter back in the day. And he would tweet 100 times a day. So I had to throw that out there. But, VK, we appreciate you here. We're excited. I hope next time you come to a game, you hit me up. We'll be a chance to catch you up. Absolutely, man. With the head coach, Fred Hoiberg. Coach, we've not spoken in several months. I hope you're healthy. I hope everything's going well and that you've been able to try to have kind of a normal summer in some ways during all this during this crazy time. Well, I'm not sure they're normal, Greg, but it is absolutely a, a crazy time. And, you know, the thing that we have been able to do is uh, continue with our workouts. Our, our guys have done a really good job. Uh, everybody, once they got to campus, we had a protocol in place to where uh, they had to be quarantined for 48 hours, and then they received their COVID test. And once they uh, tested negative, they were able to start their workouts. So, you know, we, we kind of strategically brought them back in waves. And early on, it was a lot of individual skill work. And then once we got going with a couple players at a time, we kept them basically with their roommates just in case somebody did come down with it. Uh, you know, we would only have to isolate a certain uh, proportion of our team. Uh, but now we actually have gotten into full team workouts. And the reason that we are doing that and we're comfortable doing it is because, uh, you know, talking to our players about the importance of doing the right things off the floor and not risking uh, contamination, uh, we are, our guys are hanging around each other a lot and spending a lot of time together off the court. Uh, they're basically all living in the same area. Uh, so we felt that it was, uh, you know, the right move to start getting them uh, on the court together and doing team team workouts. And it's been really good. I, I've been really impressed uh, with the work ethic of this team. I just love their competitive spirit. Uh, we've got a sports scientist, Chris Bach is his name, uh, that's done an excellent job of monitoring loads. They have what's called a catapult system that monitors all their movements and their workload. Uh, and we're able to plan accordingly as far as how we want to uh, uh, construct a week uh, you know, as far as how much work we want them to go through. And then once they hit that load, we, we basically shut them down, which they don't like. They want to be in that gym. Uh, so it's a great problem to have. They have to slow them down as opposed to kick them in the butt and get them going. And it's really been, it's really been good. So, uh, you know, love the competitive spirit of our group. And, you know, hopefully we can continue to get better as we go along. What type of testing and how often are you doing it with this group? Well, we do it every day. Uh, they, they, they wear a monitor. Uh, within a little bit of a halter uh, is what they wear. And then it's got uh, a monitor that they put in the back of it, a little a little pocket, and it shows all their movements. And we do a jump test with them uh, every Monday that shows uh, if, if they're, uh, how much fatigue they have, if they're favoring certain, uh, for example, if they have a hip that's off, they'll, they'll favor the other side of their body. And you can sense that and you can see that. So, you know, again, it, it, we had one week where guys came in Monday and you could just tell they were exhausted because their jump numbers were so low. So we were able to adjust and we basically made that a recovery week. Uh, so we're just trying to plan. And there's so many different scenarios that are out there right now, Greg. I don't know when we're going to start. I don't know anybody. Uh, if anybody does, there were some things out today that maybe will start end of November or early December which I think makes the most sense just because uh, your students go home after that first semester, which they moved up this year, and it gives the best opportunity to create some type of a bubble and isolate the players. Uh, so hopefully we'll go through with that. But we're just trying to keep everybody fresh right now, not, not have the burnout factor 
uh, and keep them ready to go if we do open uh, at that time. Coach, we had Bill Moose on a couple days ago. He's had to make some really difficult decisions because of the, the cancellation of the fall sports and the lack of revenue coming into the department. One of those decisions was to close the training table. How has that affected your guys? Well, it's, it's obviously it's not ideal. Uh, you know, it's very important as far as nutrition, uh, you know, making sure these guys are fueled uh, going into their workouts. So basically what we have is the opportunity to do snacks for our players uh, we have fueling stations that gives them uh, protein bars, protein shakes uh, to, you know, get them something in their body before. We, we, we go in the morning, so we do a, a, a morning session in the weight room, uh, and then they're on the floor with the coaches at 9. And then the good thing right now is academically, uh, the academic advisors are actually coming over to the Hendricks facility and doing their tutoring and, and academic services over there just, again, to try to limit as much cross-contamination as possible. Uh, generally, everybody's together, uh, you know, all the sports, but we're just trying to keep everything isolated at this time. So uh, it's worked well with the snacks and the uh, and the fueling stations. Uh, it's It's been able to keep our guys going, and then hopefully, you know, at some point we'll get the training table going again. Getting busy with Fred Hoiberg, Husker head basketball coach here on Sports Nightly. Tell me about this group. I mean, you, you've had most of them in town for a couple of months now. You've, you mentioned the individual workouts now to the team workouts. What What's your feeling about this group? Well, I, I'm excited about them, Greg. I, I, we're, we're much longer, uh, and we've got more athleticism, I think, uh, on this team. Uh, you know, we're still obviously trying to figure everything out this early in the process, uh, but I think we've got good versatility as well. And, uh, you know, you look at a couple of players that came back that were probably the last to arrive on campus were our international players, which were Thor and Ivan. And, you know, those guys were stuck over in Iceland and in France because of the travel ban. But, you know, once students were allowed to get back, uh, they, they are back on, uh, on campus. So it's been great to have a little bit of continuity with those guys that were in the system last year, as well as the three that sat out with Shamil Stevenson, uh, with Derek Walker, and with uh, uh, Delano Banton. And, you know, those guys have a little bit of a leg up right now just because they understand the nuances of the system. Uh, but the other guys are picking things up very quickly. Uh, the thing I like is, is I've seen a high basketball IQ with a lot of these guys. And, you know, we got a, a, a grad transfer in uh, Kobe Webster that I've been really impressed with. Great leadership skills. I just love everything that he's about. A great communicator uh, and a guy that certainly that can make shots. You know, three-year starter at Western Illinois that uh, that has played in some big games. Uh, you look at Lat Mayan, who I've been really impressed with. Greg, he's he's a six-nine uh, kid that came from Chipola Junior College. He started his career out at TCU, uh, and he was basically a double-double guy uh, last year and a very very good three-point shooter. Uh, we do a hundred-shot drill, which is something that I got from my days in the NBA, which we put all of the pre-draft players through. Uh, it's basically a series of 100 threes uh, that the Spurs came up with. And we've been putting our guys through that. Lap Main made 86 of them uh, out of 100 the other day. And that's, that's re I've never seen that. So he's a guy that can really stretch the floor at his position. Uh, Teddy Allen been, has been awesome. He's a guy that can just, he just finds a way to put the ball in the basket. And, you know, I guess when you average over 30, uh, in a season, uh, you, you know, you, you just find different ways to get it, get it the basket. And he's a three level scorer. He can score it. Uh, at the rim, he's a very crafty finisher. Uh, shot over 40 from three uh, last season, and uh, he's one of those guys that makes tough mid-range shots as well, which I'm not in love with. But if you show me you can make him at a high percentage, uh, then I'll let you shoot him. And I think you know, music to everybody's ears is he was over 90% uh, 
uh, free throw shooter uh, a year ago. Um, uh, you know, some of the other guys that have made improvements, the call uh, has been really good. He looks good, obviously, coming back from last year uh, on this team, got some good quality minutes at the end of the season. Uh, Trey McGowan's is one that uh, was a transfer from Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with him as far as his waiver. Um, but uh, we're, we're excited. We're excited about this group, Greg. And, and like I said, hopefully we can continue to build great chemistry and, and move in the right direction. Has that waiver been filed yet, Coach, for Trey? Uh, it will be filed this week. Okay. And then who knows, but right when the who knows what the NCA's timeline will be, but it look, look maybe promising. It looks like they're allowing some of those to happen. You mentioned the NBA. They've been participating in the bubble down in Orlando, um, and you alluded to it earlier. Is that is that gaining some steam in the college game to maybe do some of that to get games in once you get back on the court to compete? Yeah, there, there's been a lot of different things out there, Greg, as far as what the specifics of them are. I think in the details are still being worked out. But there has been a lot of discussion on that. And, again, there's a lot of things of are we going to play non-conference in the bubbles in, uh, you know, neutral, at neutral site and then maybe do the conference games uh, at, on campus and do a bubble there where you play a little round robin. You know, that, that scenario has been out there. So there's just there's so many different things right now, Greg, but uh, I, I still think we're a ways away from figuring out exactly what's going to happen. How has it, you mentioned the students have been back for a couple of weeks. Do you notice more traffic around town? And, and you're, you said your guys have been pretty smart about kind of maybe stay within themselves and not get mixed up with the general student population, which is too bad. That's one of the great things about college life is to be able to do that. So that's got to be tough to avoid that temptation, I would think. It is, yeah. I mean, you know, I, sir, I was obviously in college and, and had fun in college, and it is. It, it's hard, but, you know, we talk about sacrificing, and all it takes is one poor decision uh, to lead to shutting down something where we're making a lot of progress and taking a huge step backwards. And I talked about holding each other accountable in that area as well. If you see somebody on, going on the verge of making a decision like that, stop them. And, uh, you know, those guys are around each other a lot more than we're with them. So uh, it is. It, 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 there, there, are, there is more traffic uh, on campus. It's, it's great to, to see the students back. Uh, but we have to continue to be smart and be diligent with it. You and your staff have not been allowed to go out and recruit. The, the NCAA has put a, a moratorium on that, I believe, until the end of September. How much has that hampered you? And, and what have you had to do creatively to try to overcome some of those hurdles? I'm just about zoomed out, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't even know what Zoom was. Zoom to me was a dribble handoff back, uh, you know, as of a year ago. But now, yeah, we're we're doing Zoom calls uh, pretty much every day, and you know, just did three of them uh, today. And it's something that is it's it's been good, though. I'll say this: we we've gotten our foot in the door with what I think are some pretty high level kids, and you know, a big part of that is showing our style of play and the pace that we play with and the shot profile that we created. Uh, we just need to be more efficient with it. And I think as we continue on and, and continue to add the right pieces, uh, you know, that efficiency is going to go up and, and hopefully we'll, it will add to some wins. Uh, you know, league's going to be a monster again next year. Uh, a lot of the players that they thought might uh, jump, make the jump to the, to the next level and go to the NBA ended up coming back to school, which, uh, you know, is great for them, not so great for us. But, uh, you know, we just got to, again, continue to move in the right direction and, and hopefully continue to add the right players. Uh, we feel good about the, uh, this year's class. Uh, you know, we're, like I said, we're on some pretty high-level kids that we feel 
relatively good about, and uh, and hopefully we'll get good news on that front. Very good. Well, Coach, great to hear your voice. Good to catch up. Keep everybody healthy. Let's hope we get some good news here in, a, in, in the next few months and get to see the Huskers back on the court soon. Yeah, always great to talk to you, Greg. Take care. His voice will sound familiar. And that ball's gone. Bye-bye baseball. His knowledge is endless. He looked so fast. It was unbelievable. He's our Major League Baseball insider. Just ate a brownie, so I'm ready to go. Lane Grindle. Well, the trade deadline has come and passed. Um, Maybe the Padres, Lane, were the most aggressive. Were you surprised about how much the Padres went after things in the last week? You know, not totally. Uh, the Padres have a really exciting, a really good team, in my opinion, but not a perfect team. And so I think they went out and tried to address it the, the best that they could. And A.J. Preller is a guy that has made a lot of moves over the course of his career, uh, especially in San Diego. There's been a couple of different times where he's kind of, quote, unquote, gone for it. They've been more off-season type of moves. Think of a, a couple of years ago when he made moves for Craig Kimbrell and Uptons and all those different moves, and they didn't work out. Uh, when he made those moves. But um, this is a team that he knows he has that's good, that's going to contend, that's in a really competitive NL West. And so I think he wanted to make sure that they got into the postseason and he could get them over the hump. And and I think he supported that team really well. Now, they gave up a lot of pieces to bring some of these guys back in. Um, you know, the what they gave up to get Austin Nola was – that was a pretty hefty price, in my opinion – uh, obviously, Mike Clevenger is going to be a hefty price. I really like the deal that they put together for Mike Clevenger. I don't feel like they gave up anybody that's going to necessarily be a superstar. And they got one of the better, more underrated starting, starting pitchers in baseball back. And we know how valuable that could be in a three-game series uh, when they get to the postseason. So I really liked that move specifically. I thought the move they pulled off for Clevenger might have been the best one of all the moves they made. But, you know, they, they, they got Trevor Rosenthal. I think he's going to help them, and they need a little help in the back of that bullpen. So, overall, I like what the Padres did. But when you're making that many moves, you're going to give up a lot of inventory to do it. And that's just part of the game. Yeah, and they may just sense that this is a chance to maybe go steal a pennant and, and do some damage. And you called it. You said back in July that was a team to keep an eye on. You thought they had the makings of a team that could be a bit of a surprise team, and they've kind of been that. I don't know that any of us saw the Marlins sustaining some success here, Lane, like they have. That's a team you're pretty familiar with. There's a lot of former Brewers on that group. There's a ton of them in that group. Uh, you're talking about Lewis Brenson and Jonathan VR was part of that team. Of course, he was part of the deadline moves. They moved him to the Toronto Blue Jays, but Jesus Aguilar is there. Isan Diaz is a kid I got to know really well when he was in the Brewers organization. Monte Harrison is another kid, former Nebraska football commit that I got to know pretty well when he was in the Brewers organization. So there, there's just a ton. I mean, Jordan Yamamoto on the mound, Garrett Cooper's another guy that was in the Brewers organization. There's a ton of former Brewers with that team, and it, what, their story is amazing. I mean, what, what they went through at the beginning of the year and to be in position to go to the postseason with a team that nobody anticipated would be in that conversation, it, it's really a tip of the cap to Don Mattingly for the job that he's done. He, he deserves so much credit for putting the Marlins in the position that they're in, and it's really it's one of the great stories of the season so far. Yeah, and they, they've got to finish it off here over the last three weeks to hang in there, and we'll see if they do. Continuing the brag on lane thing, the other t- the team in the American League you thought was going to be pretty good are the Chicago White Sox, and, man, are they red hot now. It was about a week ago that Lucas Giolito threw the no-hitter. He looks like he's becoming a top-of-the-line ace for that staff. 
I guess you're not surprised the White Sox are playing really good baseball. No, I'm not surprised. I thought they did a great job when they decided to finally tear it down and rebuild. And it took them maybe a year longer than it should have to make the realization that they needed to go this route. And they made one bad deal at the back end of trying to, to go for it with their, their former group. And that was the deal they made for James Shields when he was in San Diego. And that's part of the reason why the Padres are so good. Because they sent Fernando Tatis Jr. to San Diego for James Shields. James Shields has given him a lot of innings uh, over the last few years. But obviously, they would love to have that one back. But since that trade, I feel like they've made about every move right. And uh, to get Lucas Giolito back, Brad Amin, Adam Eaton's a, a very fine player. But uh, Giolito has a chance to be an ace. Um, I, I love, obviously, what they did with the Jose Quintana trade getting Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease in that deal. Unbelievable return, um, in my opinion, on, on sending Quintana to the Cubs, what they got back there. And uh, they've just made a bunch of other really good, strong moves. The Chris Sale return was another good return. Moncada was a big part of that one. Kopik, who's going to be a big player for them on the mound down the road. They've just made a lot of really good moves, and now they've been smart. They finally thought, okay, 2020, we're ready to contend a little bit. We're ready to compete. So they went and they sprinkled in some other veterans along with re-signing Jose Abreu. This is a really good lineup. Luis Robert is going to be an absolute star. Jimenez is already turning into a star. This team's going to be around for a long time, Greg. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be the class of the AL Central, I think, for the next five to ten years potentially. Yeah, it looks like that. Lane Grindle's with us, our Major League Baseball insider here on Sports Nightly. A team in the American League that has surprised a lot of people is the team you're watching here this week in, in Milwaukee, and that's the Detroit Tigers. They're above 500. they They've been a little bit like the Marlins. They've kind of shocked people. What's your impression of after watching the Tigers last night? You know, they're, they're the Marlins of the American League. Um, Miguel Cabrera is still good. That's, that's the thing that stood out to me. He was 11 for his last 22 coming into our game last night. He's 37 years old. He's been such a great hitter, one of the best hitters I've ever seen play this game, and he still can get it done at 37. That's one thing that stands out to me. But I like their young talent, too. I don't know that they have the household names that the White Sox have, but they still have some guys I really like. Jacoby Jones, of course, fractured his hand last night. That was a big loss for them because he's been a solid player in center field for them. I think this is a good team, and they've got more coming. Remember, Spencer Torkelson's going to be up in the next couple of years probably for them, playing some third base. And they, they have some intriguing arms as well. They have a lot of guys that you haven't really heard of that are really performing in that bullpen for them too. Um, they're a lot like the Marlins of the American League. I think they'll have a hard time. I mean, they're playing great right now. They've won six in a row. I, I think there's, a, there's another side to this at some point where they come back down to earth just because the, the rest of the Central minus the Royals, I think are still better. I think the Indians are still better. I, I think the Twins are still better, even though they just swept them over the weekend. And I, I definitely think the White Sox are better. So, you know, when you're playing those teams so much in the way this season's constructed, probably at some point the Tigers cool off. Brewers are hoping it starts tonight, but it's a nice team. They're a lot further along than I thought they were. Um, let me put it that way. I, I thought the Tigers, when I looked at them before the year, I thought, yeah, they're still quite a ways away. And they're a lot closer than I thought they were. And th this kind of bad news for the Kansas City Royals, who I think felt like they were going to be more competitive this year than they've been so far, because they're starting to enter that era where they want to start competing again. They've got some good young arms in that group. 
with guys like Singer and Cower. And I, I think that it's going to be tough sledding in that AL Central. I like what everybody's doing in terms of how they're building and how they're competing. You know, the Indians have moved a lot of pieces, but they just keep rolling guys out there that can throw seven innings and give up two hits in one run. It seems like no matter who they put in an Indians uniform, they can they can find starting pitching. So it's going to be an interesting division, I think, top to bottom over the next few years. Yeah. Two weeks ago, you said uh, the Houston Astros are going to start winning, and, and boy, like a flip of the switch, that's what they've done. I know they got beat last night 6-5. to five. How did you how did you see that coming with the Astros? What was your crystal ball? I just think there's too much talent there. You know, the, the thing about a 60-game season is everything gets magnified. So when you lose four in a row, it, it just feels so much bigger than if you lose four in a row in the middle of a 162. And so if you're four games under this early in the season, most people aren't going to panic. I mean, we've heard it a million times, but the Nationals were 19-31. and 31 last year on Memorial Day, essentially, and they ended up winning the World Series. A couple of years ago, the Dodgers were under 500 uh, well into the, the early portions of the season, 25% of the way into the season, and they ended up going to the World Series in 2018. So I, I think that the talented teams, the teams that have been proven winners over the years, the cream eventually rises to the top in those types of moments, and I think that that's what we, we're seeing with the Astros. They're really good. And they still, you know, Altuve hasn't had a great year, but I think they're, they're still going to be there once all said and done. The thing is, though, man, the A's are playing great baseball, and I know they've been idle here because of COVID, but as long as they can stay hot like they've been, they're going to be hard to catch. Yeah. All right, uh, Tigers right now, what, what's ahead for you and the Brewers? Off day tomorrow and then, um, and then over the weekend in Cleveland against the Indians and then back through Detroit. For a little five-game road trip, three in Cleveland, two in Detroit, and then back home for the final homestand of the year already, Greg. Ooh. Isn't that wild? Crazy stuff. All right, we appreciate Lane. Have a great call tonight. You bet. Thank you. It's time to buy or sell. Buy sell is brought to you by Famous Dave's, your perfect catering choice for business lunches, meetings, weddings, parties, and more. Treat your guests to authentic smoked daily barbecue, made from scratch sides, and award-winning desserts. Famous Dave's, we do catering right. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Brett Whitty Sold. and Tim Curran. Another week here of our Everyone Plays edition of Buy or Sell. I, I've enjoyed it a lot, but I think all of us took some licks here uh, this week uh, as we go through the answers. But I'm excited to see what everyone's got dialed in and ready. I think we actually covered the bases pretty well for our questions. We've got some U.S. Open tennis. Uh, we might even have a Kentucky Derby cue in there. So uh, I think we got our bases pretty well covered. So I hope you gentlemen are excited for this week. Super excited. Always. Super excited to have this <laughs> duo here, too, to, to, to help us steer things on the on the track. Uh, we'll keep you on make track. Sure that nobody, make sure that nobody kind of rambles, veers off, takes too long to think. Right. No, we wouldn't want Move that. Move on. The shot the shot clock has is, is been extra tight this year as well, but I've, I've definitely <laughs> let it wind down to the last second a few times because I'm, I'm not used to having the lasers targeted at me, so... Definitely been adjusted to that. Well, gentlemen, without further delay, we will get into the answers like there. from last yeah. week. 
Unless you object. Uh, nope. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, moving on. So we got an NBA question. This was Austin's cue. Buy or sell that Damian Lillard would average at least 31 points per game through the Trailblazers playoff run, and that included the games he'd already played. Uh, the answer wound up being a sell. He averaged just 24.3 points. Wow, what a scrub. Uh, we all bought it hook, line, and sinker, except for Brett, who sold it and got it right. Congrats, Brett, no. Bruce. His well NBA. Yeah, take a bow. I, I had absolutely no uh, rhyme or reason for doing that, but I, I feel good good about it. So, All right, uh, A little question from Josh here, Major League Baseball buyer sell at the Dodgers. Run differential would be plus 88 or better by the end of play. Yesterday at the time it was plus 77. The answer ended up being a buy. It's now plus 93. Uh, every or, uh, Greg, you sold that, and I sold it, and we got it wrong. Everyone else was correct with the buy. Dodgers, they mashing are the ball, rock, baby, rocking people. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a big rough run you know, differential. Speaking of run differential, the Giants helped theirs last night. Did you guys catch their score? Yes. Well, we'll oh, might yeah. talk about it here later. I don't know. <laughs> that is All true. Right. I'll leave it alone. It is true. Uh, we're going to Greg's question from last week next from college football. That's right. College football being played in the fall of 2020. Byers saw that Central Arkansas would cover the three-and-a-half-point spread last Saturday night versus Austin P. The answer did end up being a buy as Central Arkansas won it in dramatic fashion by 7, 24-17, the final score in that one. Greg, Ben, and Brett all bought it and got it right, and the rest of us sold it and are suckers because we thought Austin P. We believed in them and were deadly, and deadly wrong. Some Bears. of us actually watched the game. Some of us did. That's some right. of us didn't watch the game. Yeah, Ben can't really call himself a real college nope. football fan. What do you mean? <laughs> nope. I watched a quarter and a half. Nope. That's pathetic, Ben. Get on my level. All four quarters, I was hunched over. I was falling asleep, but I was powering through because the power of football kept me alive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Next up was a question from Tim, actually, from the NHL last week by ourselves that Brad Martian of the Boston Bruins would score at least three goals through the remainder of the series with Tampa or that there would be at least one double overtime goal in that series that ended up being a bye. He only scored one time, but game five of the series did go to double overtime. Uh, ben and Tim and myself were all correct with a bye. Greg, Austin, and Josh incorrect with the cells. Thought it was going to be the Marshand yep. one because he he scored yeah. a goal in that game. He had game, scored so that night. That tried to cheat that way. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he had two in the, at the at the time. I think. Yeah, he he was he was he really got slowed down there by the Lightning who were on fire and the Bruins went down. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I got really lucky, I guess, with that line there with the with a double OT. I bought it thinking all the way Marchand or Marchand, sorry, was going to do it, but no, it was the double OT. Well, got another answer for you guys. This one was from Austin, a Major League Baseball one. Byers saw that the Angels would have the worst record in the American League by the end of play last Tuesday, or this past, just yesterday, actually. Uh, the answer ended up being a sell. They're tied with the Red Sox with the 333 winning percentage. Greg, Ben, Josh, and myself all correct with the sell. We believed in the Angels. Uh, Brett and Austin, they did not. They bought it and uh, got it wrong, so shame on you, Man. Brett. Hmm. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Ugh. We love it. Anaheim Angels all the way. Angels in the outfield. Everyone's favorite. And on to a topic that Mr. Commissioner came up with himself, Josh, coming up with a tennis question by herself that the top five seeds would lose at least four sets in the first round of the men's and women's 
U.S. Open. That ended up being a sell. They only lost two rounds or two uh, sets total. The men's four seed Alexander Zverev lost one set, and the women's four seed Naomi Osaka lost one set. Uh, we all bought that, and we're all incorrect. So that was a, a family affair there. Wow. Not good. We all stayed together. That's kind of nice. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Well, the, the trend continued on this next question. The last last answer we have for this week, Fire Cell, that Tiger Woods would finish in the top 10 of the BMW Championship. Uh, Greg bought it. He believed in Mr. Woods, but everyone else sold it, and we all got it right. But Greg, wrong, 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 ah. because it was a sell. He was tied for 51st. He just missed out on the top 10 at 51. So uh, sorry on Tiger, not bullish on him. But we, that brings us to the total for this week, Greg. Oof. It was pretty rough, 2 of 7. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but I was perfect last week or whatever yeah puts you at seven to twelve so you're tied with ben because ben had ben had a five of seven weeks so a little bit better so now you both wow. are at seven of twelve so that's that's tied for first here in our our new season of, of buy sell josh just bringing up the rear here he went three of seven this week he's now six of twelve for a 50 percent clip brett he's also at seven to twelve so it's actually a three-way tie for first my bad he went four of seven this week i also went four of seven i'm at six of twelve tied with josh and austin it's been a rough year two of seven this week and three of twelve <laughs> on the season Oh, God. A 25 winning percentage. I think even the Anaheim Angels would would scoff at such a paltry winning percentage. Oh, but uh, that brings us to this week's questions. And Greg, I believe you have the honor of of bringing us this week's questions. Nice. I'm going college football. You know how I love college football. I actually watch games. So here we go. <laughs> the Monday night matchup: BYU and Navy. Will they? Do you buy or sell that they will combine to score more than 52 points? Ooh, well. I'll take this first because I, as a believer in the triple option, I think Navy puts up all 52 by themselves. Um, so, yeah, give me put me down for a buy. I'm all in. What's wrong with Anchor you? down or whatever. Anchors <laughs> away. Sorry. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, man. What was the line? 52. It opened at like 56. I don't know what it is now. Probably not high enough. All the points. Give me the overs. All right. Give me some scoring. I'm not going to watch football and root for defense. Heck with that. Not going to watch a ball at all, as it would seem. Ben's I got out. the question right, Tim. You didn't, so you tell me. <laughs> all right, Brett. They both bought it. Uh, yeah, it's putting some pressure on me because I want to be different here, but I also want to take the points just knowing uh, these two teams. Uh, I'm going to sell, though. I'm going to be different. I just want to be different on this one. I'll sell. I'm with you, Brett. I'm selling as well. So we're 2-2 mm. on that. We'll see what the boys that are gone tonight do with that question. All right, here's my second one. Going to golf here. Buy or sell that the Tour Championship is won by either Dustin Johnson or John Rahm. Mm. Now, to give you some background, they all don't – the 30 golfers that are in this tournament, which starts on Friday, ends on Monday, they don't all start the same. Dustin Johnson starts at 10 under. John Rahm is at 8. I believe it's Justin Thomas in third at minus 7, and it goes on the way down to even par for like five of the bottom five guys. Okay. Hmm. Well, lightning doesn't strike twice, so I'm going to sell that. Dustin Johnson and John Rahm were part of last week's festivities, so I'm, I'm saying a new a new champion is crowned. Sell. Right. Are you saying Dustin Johnson wasn't a part of the festivities two weeks ago when he shot 30 under? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not saying he wasn't. No, I'm, that's what I was going to say. I'm just saying someone else is going to be crowned champion. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, I got to take the field. Neither of those guys – I mean, 
DJ is dominant enough right now where he could do it. Rom probably isn't. So I'm going to take everybody else against, in this logic, DJ, because I don't think Rom's going to do it. So I'll take the field. I'm selling. Yeah, I'm going to have to follow suit on that one. I'm going to take the field. Uh, Dustin Johnson would be the, the one guy that you would take, but I feel more comfortable taking the field there. Clean sweep. I'm selling as well. Surprise. So somebody, yeah. The way that scored, I thought somebody would take the edge. But, oh, Austin, yeah. Austin or Josh will take the bait. We'll we see. all sold Greg's golf question last week. We're just really not won any part of this PGA, I guess. <laughs> and that brings us to Ben, to Mr. McLaughlin's question. All right. Well, we uh, alluded to it a little earlier. Uh, Greg did anyhow. The Giants scored 23 runs last night in a victory over the Rockies. They scored six today. Buy or sell that the Giants score 23 runs in their next six games. So they score 23 yesterday, six today. They have to score 23 more in their next six. So I obviously made this question before the final score went today. So I was pulling just the, the final from yesterday, the 23 runs. They have to equal that in their next six starting tomorrow. No will chance. That get it, will that get it over by next Wednesday? Uh, they may have a day off on Monday. I'm not so sure. So this may go past next Wednesday. This okay. could be a two-weeker. Could be a two-weeker. But I'm selling it. I, I do not have a lot of faith in the Giants offense. They're mashing right now. They're making um, some guys that you never heard of. Alex Dickerson had three home runs. How about this, guys? Last night, the San Francisco Giants had three players in their starting lineup have six RBIs in the game. Jeez. That's insane. I don't, I don't think that's happening again. I'm selling. So, but so is your line. That's insane, but 23 runs is a lot. I'm selling that. Over six games? It's like less than it's a four games. It's a lot, McLaughlin. You can't try and it's sucker what, me into 3.8 runs per game is what yep. it is, I think. Uh, do we know who they play? Um, I, I playing mean, baseball, Greg. Somebody does. Here, I can. I, I can said, who are here. they playing, <laughs> not what are they playing? Uh, uh, they have the Diamondbacks uh, coming up here. They have the Diamondbacks. Hmm. Diamondbacks and Mariners. The Mariners on Tuesday night. All right. I got to be different than you guys. We've all been kind of the same. I'll buy it. I'll buy that they'll get 23 runs or more in the next six. Well, well, well. How are the turntables? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with Greg there. I'm going to buy three, 3.8 or however many runs per game that is. That's not too many to, to shoot for, and they've been hot. So. All right. I guess everyone disagrees with me. That's fine. That's fine. That no, you and Ben, you and Ben were the same. Yeah, okay, that's that, that's little. That doesn't make me feel very good. <laughs> doesn't make me feel good either. <laughs> as goes Ben, as goes the rest of the world. Uh, moving on to my question. Do I only get one? Actually, that's right. Never mind. You do get two. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. See, you're just trying to hurry along, Ben. The shot clock like already expired. Down. Tim, do you have somewhere? We're off the air at the same time every night, buddy. Do you have somewhere to be? Like, like the. The, the, just because we go faster in this segment doesn't mean the show's going to get done any earlier. <laughs> All right, we're going, we're going to 8.57. All right, I'll let you get in. Take, yeah, only, no, if you take, apo- only if you apologize. Now we have mean. to take it straight to 50 for Arana. <laughs> that was mean. I had to change this question because as of 10 minutes ago, Leonard Fournette has a new home. Yep. Yeah. We're so at. we've had to tweak the question. It will still be Leonard Fournette related, but I'm having to tweak it. And uh, since this is kind of a last second having to switch, what better way than to pick on a couple of the former Patriots on the Tampa Bay Buccaneer hey, hey. roster? Hey, hey. And former Huskers. Buy, buy or sell that Leonard Fournette scores a touchdown before Ooh. Rob Gronkowski. Oh, how dare you? 
Oh, man. How I, dare I'm, you? I'm selling because I don't know that Fournette will even play in their opener, and I think Tom will find Gronkowski for a score in their opener. So I'm selling. Yeah, voice of reason with Greg there. Uh, I, I think Gronk is probably going to set an NFL record uh, on, in week one. So I'm selling that yeah. hard. Harder than anything has been sold on this here program before. I'm not sure what uh, Tampa Bay's running back situation looks like right now, but I figure if they sign Fournette, it means they, they need him. But – I, I'm going to go along the lines that with Greg that uh, Tom's going to find a familiar target in Gronkowski uh, before Fournette finds the end zone. They have a lot of weapons. Um, the running back situations like Ronald Jones. Who? Ronald Jones, the second from University of Southern California. Who? Um, they've got a rookie, too. Oh, Okay. I, just, I can't think. Of, I can't think. I can't think of who it is. Um, yeah, but they got they have good wide receivers. But I did. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they've got Evans and Godwin and. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. I really want to be different. I really, really do. I will. I'll punt this question just to be against Tim. I'll say Fournette <laughs> scores first. <laughs> I feel. I feel Tim's pick. I feel persecuted. I feel persecuted, but now, now are you done, Ben? You, uh, just trying to I don't know. Yourself can we, Tim yeah, here. ask the commissioner now, if I can be done? We, the, the commission has ruled that we move on to, okay. to my question, which is a lot more important. <laughs> so, uh, the world of ice hockey—you might have heard of it. Uh, buy or sell the New York Islanders outshoot the Flyers in Game Six tomorrow night by at least five shots, and the game is decided by one goal. <laughs> and I put me down for a buy. I'm all in. No. Those and, and those and questions, I'm out. Sell. So. <laughs> out. Sell. I need. Hold on. I need to logic this one. Because they outshoot them by five shots. What? What's the average here? Like, what are we? What are we basing this off of? My own gut. That's okay. What I so, go right. so it's not like an average. They can't. All right. So this. No. There's no. I'm not an analytics guy. I just kind of go by the heart. Uh, That's what I'm all about. <laughs> just for no other reason, just to be different than Greg and Ben, I'll buy it. All right, that's good. That's the way to. That's the way to be. Right. That's that's how we operate. <laughs> that is interesting. Tim, did you question. buy it? I bought it. Oh yeah, I'm all in. Yeah, that I'm, doesn't make me feel good. But uh, <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, I've got a question out of the NBA here. Buy or sell? Tim only gets one. He'll, he'll get another alternate. one here. Yeah, we got yeah. we got a plan oh, here. You're, oh, okay. Greg. It's all. Don't worry. We got a now. Final I'm totally machine. confused. Yeah, man. I am too. Let's just. Greg, we're not in control anymore. This is what we get when we turn the segment over to these guys. We're, we're just along for the ride. Well, we you have guys other just producers tell us what to do. that play that came with questions that aren't present, so we wanted to get them involved too. So that's, that's All right, you we... just tell us what we need to do. Yeah, just <laughs> you, Listen, listen, here it is. You're, you're going to buy or you're going to sell. Yeah. All right. So Ben's mic is now shut off for the remainer of the segment, so we'll just so move on. Question out of the NBA buy or sell that at least two series – in the semifinal round of the NBA playoffs, go to a game seven. We've had two in the first round. In fact, we had one last night, one tonight. Mm. Um, the East is not. You got two two O's already in the East. The West hasn't even started. It's going to start probably like October fifth or whatever before they get the West started. Not final for the Bucks um, or Heat yet, but yeah, it's looking like it's going to be two zero. It's like a six point game with what nineteen seconds. The Bucks could easily tie that thing up though. They've got uh, no. I'm selling. Okay. But well, I am selling also. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell that one as well. I think there's going to be. Maybe, I think, yeah, I'll, I think I'll one, say there's one. I'll say there's one. I think one, one gets, gets there. I'm not sure the second one does. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm selling that Same too. Page. 
Sorry, Brett. Yeah, horrible no one, question. I don't, no one's, <laughs> I don't know who came up with that. <laughs> that, was, that was a hack question. It's uh, actually not a bad question if you think about it because the one seed's about to go down 2-0, and you'd like to think yeah. that the one seed's going to battle back and at least make it a series, which means it. you know they tie it up. That could be one right there. Iguodala also, I think, went down with an injury, so if he's out for the remainder of the series, that could, that could switch. I don't think it's things. a bad question at all. Well, thanks, Ben. You're welcome. <laughs> there we go. Well, we got a Kentucky Derby question. This was Josh's uh, special when he whipped up. Buy or sell that tis the law wins the Kentucky Derby by one length or more. What a name. Tis the law won the Belmont. I got to do the uh, And this is a big field. This is like 18 horses, and I think tis the law is coming out of the 17 stall, so coming out way wide. You got a few scratches probably, right? Probably. I don't know if there have one been today. Um... He was really impressive in the Belmont, and he's he's under underwater on the odds. He's like two to three or something like that. The last I saw. Wow. Huh. Uh, but boy, in this you got to take the field. I think so. I'm going to sell it. All right. I'm selling. It's going to be Storm the Court. Just looked at the names. <laughs> you don't even don't even know the odds, Just but that guy's going to win. Storm um, the Court. I'm gonna I'll take the favorite on this one. I'm going to go Tis the Law for the win. I don't know a lot about horsey racing, but uh, <laughs> if they say tis the law is the best, then he's the best. I'm buying. I think the giveaway <laughs> on you not knowing anything about horses is calling it horsey racing. So. <laughs> so that's, what, that's what gentlemen call it, so just, I don't make the rules. I just, I just live by them. All right, uh, next question coming from Austin. He comes at us with a tennis question, U.S. Open. Buy or sell that at least four of the eight semifinalists in the men's and women's singles will be unseated. Four of the eight yeah. semifinalists Cross unseated. men and women. A lot of the main men are not in it. Roger's not in it. True. Rafa's not in it. Is Joker in there? Yeah, Joker, he lost he, a set today, but he's yeah. going to win the thing. So he's one of your semifinalists. Mm-hmm. The women's side's going to be just a crapshoot, I think. That's what it looks like. So how many How many of the semifinalists? Four of the eight, so half. Are unseated? Unseated. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That might be just a touch high also. I like that line from Austin. It's How about a, Austin throwing, throwing a tennis zinger at us? Yeah, I, I did not see, see that, that coming. coming. I, I, I made him do it, so that's like a three-one, <laughs> that's like a three-one breaking ball coming uh, in. Well, I, did, I directed Austin to to do US Open, so I, th- I thought we get a Duke basketball question already no, here. If it was up to him, he would have, but I told him no. Not having that. I was just hoping for another Matt Harvey question. Will he be on a <laughs> roster next week? Will Matt Harvey win all the games? <laughs> buy or buy? I'm, I'm selling. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to sell this one as well. I think it's going to be just under the four. I think it'll be probably around three. Yeah, I'm buying it. I believe in the underdog. You guys don't. That's fine. You just picked a favorite. I'm all in. Horse racing question <laughs> three minutes ago. Well, I didn't look yeah, up the names. I wasn't doing yeah. any backup research like Ben. Uh, That's basically all cheating I did was in my pull book. the horse's names. Basically cheating <laughs> in my book is what I'm saying. Uh, going back to me, because this is all about me, uh, ice hockey question, buy or sell. That there are at least two goals score. Score I can't talk. <clears throat> Let me just read you that one. Buy or sell that there are at least two goals scored in the first period of action tomorrow night between the Canucks and the Vegas Golden Knights. They had a low scoring one last night, didn't they? I believe it was. Yeah, it was like two to one or three to Those yeah. games are played basically at 3 a.m. They're up very late. <laughs> 
No chance. Selling. No chance. Well, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of in a selling mood myself tonight, so I'm going to sell. Yeah, you sell your own peril is what I'm saying. I, I'm going to buy it. Give me the points. All right, Brett. Brett's buying it. I'm buying it, too. It's a buy party here with the producers. We're feeling confident. And that brings us to the last question, which, guys, you're never going to guess what Brett has dialed up for you here yeah, category-wise. You're not going to guess. Soccer? You have to you have to dig through the crates sometimes to find some of these questions, and soccer is just always uh, always going on. So I decided to get a little UEFA. Hey, I got the last one right. I'm cool with it. Yeah, hey, you, it's it's you're, you're on target here. So a little UEFA Nations League question here. Buy or sell that <laughs> at least 71 goals are scored across the 27 opening matches in the UEFA Nations League tournament starting tomorrow. The UEFA Nations Nets are going to be on fire. <laughs> I'm buying. All right. Well, how many again? 71 goals across 27 of the opening matches. That would be uh, a little over 2.6, around 2.7 goals per match. Can we get a game-by-game -game breakdown of well, all we 27 got, matches? We got the Faroe Islands taking on Malta yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> You've got, you've got. I mean, there's some big ones. You have Spain, Where, Spain. Are taking the Faroe on, Islands uh, real? That sounds like a Nardia place. I mean, that's no, just. They're off the coast. I think they're off the coast of Spain. I want to say. Well, there you go. Now, Faroe Islands, they're really a juggernaut. It's just, it's every European nation, and they're they're actually traveling all across Europe. So you know, you got Moldova and Kosovo playing, Lithuania and Kazakhstan. I mean, these are games. This is appointment watching, guys. Those are know. the games that are going to give you like the six to two random. That's what I need. Yeah, I mean, you need Belarus, Albania in your life. But you're also going to get those uh, zero to well, one. You might get thrown off by North Macedonia and Armenia. North when those Macedonia. Two teams, when Gibraltar and San Marino clash, you guys never know what's going to happen. <laughs> What has happened to this show, man? I don't know. <laughs> well, let's break. Let's break down the Gibraltar massive. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of curious what Azerbaijan's got, got cooked up for us. Yeah, I'm I, I bought it. I'm buying it as well. There'll be a lot of offense in this thing. Yeah, so and those, some of those countries won't even have a goalie, probably. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> some of these guys—it's probably like a postman and like a bunch, like a yeah, gym he, teacher, his, just playing. His day job took him away Bar from keep. the net. <laughs> Barkeep, yeah. I, I'm gonna buy this one. I think I think it's gonna be a real laid-back defensive performance uh, on the part of some of these teams. So you're gonna see some pretty crazy scorelines, is my guess. Especially in the first the yeah. first match day. I'm selling it. Defense wins championships. It also wins the UEFA Nations League, America's favorite tournament. <laughs> Are we done? Uh, did ben, yeah, wait, did, did ben, what was Ben? I need to record it for posterity. I bought it. All right, good. Wait, there we so go. Now, now, we're we're now, now Ben wants it to be now we're done. We, we can end because I said so. Not because not you said so, Ben, but because I said <laughs> so. You too. Jeez. Greg, take control. Back of the oh show, my please. goodness. Wow. Okay. <laughs>